Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today we've got an awesome revenge story about a certain inappropriate video that was recorded. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, you want buttered toast? I was a sophomore in high school taking biology and got teamed with a senior who had to pass the class to graduate. We got along great. I did all the write-ups and he did the dissections as he was also a cook at a mid-level restaurant. Another friend was also in the class. His family was well off and ate out a lot and he could be a jerk about food. One day the senior told me that my bud and his mom were at his restaurant for lunch and my bud got pissy because his buttered toast didn't have enough melted butter on it. The senior heard the complaint, saw who it was, and sent the waiter back with toast that had accidentally been dropped in the butter bin that morning. He had to let it drain for a bit. The lesson I've learned in reading plenty of stories kind of in this vein is you just don't mess with people who handle food. Don't piss off a waiter or a cook because you just never know when somebody might be having the worst day. And God forbid you do that to somebody who's having the worst day and is also handling your food. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below. That said, our next story is, mock my girlfriend? Have a face full of crud. A long time ago, back in my high school years, I worked at a small retail food place. Obviously won't name the place, but suffice to say, we sold bagels. I actually loved working there and could probably write a baker's dozen of stories about the random going-ons there. I swear if we put up some high-def cameras in the place, we could have made a sitcom out of the people I worked with. And this was prior to the office. I've had several jobs since then and nothing quite topped that experience. But that's for another time. Today's episode involves a potentially racist coworker making one too many comments I took fault with. First, to clarify why I say potentially racist. This was ages ago, and most of us were immature teens or young adults working part-time as a first job during high school. It was a predominantly white neighborhood, but naturally we had several people of various races work there over time. Black Phil will always be an eternal legend to anyone who knew him. Being immature high school, young 20s kids, we all had a fairly shared mentality. Offensive jokes were funny! At least, they were funny so long as you were willing to laugh at jokes at your own expense, and not just jokes at someone else's expense. So there was a ton of ribbing, offensive comments between coworkers, ranging from slightly over-the-top mom jokes, to flat-out offensive stereotype comments, to downright blasphemous comments regarding religion made to our, a bit more pious-than-us, manager. This one guy we'll call Bill, actually the younger brother of the manager, however, often took things a tad too far. How do you take things too far in a place where everyone's trying to one-up each other with offensive comedy? Well, pretty much every other worker there gave off the same strong vibe of, I'm just making a joke, I don't actually think that, when making any manner of racial comment. This guy, it just always seemed like he was a bit more serious in his comments than the rest of us. Could never be quite sure, but it often seemed like he wasn't making a joke, like maybe he was actually just a bit racist. At the time I was dating a black girl, this didn't seem like at all an issue to us, but the very short white dude and the very tall black girl dating was apparently a hot topic in our community. It's not like the neighborhood was super against it or racist or anything, 
It's just that our relationship was apparently very visible. People we barely knew apparently knew about us and that we were dating. To a lot of people, the fact that I was dating this tall black girl became my most prominent feature, which looking back was almost refreshing after spending years as the short weird kid, and naturally everyone at work knew about it, and in a place rife with offensive humor it naturally got brought up. Just usually more lighthearted than our other comments. People trying to make offensive jokes, ironically, not actually offend someone. Oh, but Bill always took things a step too far. At one point he made a generally disparaging remark against black women, implying all black women were de facto unattractive right next to me while I was holding a broom. So I bonked him rather lightly, but enough to feel it, on the head with the broom and gave him a generic shut your dang mouth comment. Everyone else around laughed, told him he deserved it. Life went on. But finally, one day he said something, way too far, regarding my girlfriend. He was probably just trying to make a joke, but it was rough enough that I won't dare repeat it here. The post would definitely get taken down. And I thought, yeah, he has to pay for that. Bagel store. Big old baskets on the bagel wall, and bagels make plenty of crumbs. Especially seeded ones like poppy, everything, sesame, onion, etc. We had a broom and a dustpan, and a small shop vac for cleaning up all the leftover seeds and crumbs at the end of the day. So I took out the mini shop vac, took the hose out of the intake side and put it in the exhaust side, and used the broom and dustpan to pour some of the seeds and crumbs and crap into the hose. Plugged it in, then innocently called out, Hey Bill, to get his attention. He looked over, I turned on the vac, and the exhaust port basically shotgunned all the seeds and crumbs straight into his face and open eyes. He starts writhing. Other co-workers, including his older brother, start laughing. Mid-writhe, I just shout something at him like, I told you not to say that crap anymore and walk off. Once again, everyone gives him a basic, yeah, you had that coming speech. He washes his eyes out and we just go back to closing up the shop. Post-credit, years later his behavior seemed to settle into, okay, he's not actually racist, at least he's not now. He just came across way more serious with his offensive jokes than the rest of us when we were younger. I think most people have probably been in some kind of friend group where you toe the line or you say some edgy things, mostly just because you're young and stupid and don't really get it and you just kind of all like laugh being edgy amongst each other. But I think almost everybody understands that there is also a level of too far or too serious and it's very, very uncomfortable when somebody crosses that line. It makes things really awkward. You know, that kind of moment where you're looking at your other buddy in the friend group like, ooh. Our next story is a little V-Day petty revenge. This happened about 12 years ago and I've always wanted to post it and figure today is perfect. At the time, I'd have been married to my husband for about four years. Quick backstory, my birthday is in mid-December. I'd given birth to our second child a few months before my birthday and our first was born less than two years before that. Both pregnancies were difficult and I'd required painful surgery before I could get pregnant both times. I was a stay-at-home mom and he traveled a lot for work, usually 20 plus days a month. I had never been big on birthdays or Valentine's Day for myself, but often went a little overboard for his birthday, which was February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. So this particular year, we didn't have much money, but I was hoping for something heartfelt. Maybe a personal and thoughtful card. 
He was out of town on my birthday and all he did was call to say happy birthday. Okay, that stung a bit, but too busy with baby and toddler to care. Christmas comes and he's been hinting he got me something big and expensive that he's sure I'll love. Turns out he got me a microwave. Now, yes, we needed one eventually because ours was falling apart, but it wasn't a big need. I did my best to smile and thank him, but I was definitely hurt. So the following February comes around, and I'm torn about whether I should even bother getting him something nice. I'm out shopping at Walmart, and I spot it. The perfect gift for darling husband. A bright red, most romantic color, toaster. I make sure to hint that he was getting the best gift ever since he worked so hard traveling, while I just sat comfortably at home eating bonbons and enjoying the company of our sweet, perfect children. The look on his face when he opened that darn box was glorious. Unfortunately, after that year, he never bothered getting me gifts again. Deserved, I suppose. But I gave up trying to get him to care. It only took me eight more years to finally leave him, but it had nothing to do with gifts. It was the lying and cheating that eventually convinced me to leave. At first, I was going to say, it's pretty darn impressive that you can be in a relationship where you have kids and you're a stay-at-home mom, and your husband's gone 20 plus days of the month and still have a good relationship, even if you aren't even celebrating stuff that much. But then OP took a dump on that whole thing saying, oh, yeah, actually he was lying and cheating the whole time too. Our next story is, want someone else to do my job? Okay, I'll get someone else to do your job. I work as third-level support for a company that provides and develops software for a business area that's quite heavily regulated. A lot of our development efforts go to just keeping up with new and changing laws. Also, the software, while being mainly used for one purpose, usually in one way or the other, gets used throughout the whole company using it. So with bigger companies, they sometimes have multiple departments, each only supporting parts of the software in-house. Basically, each department of the company having their own in-house tech support for our software. So with this one customer, they have one main support team, containing but not led by the CTO of the company, for our software, and each department has their own sub-team who answer to the head of the main team. As always, New Year's had brought new laws and regulations. Especially in one department, an up-to-now optional feature became mandatory by law starting January 1st, 2023. Mind you, the information about the new law was public February 2022, and our software supports this feature since the middle of 21. So, enough time to configure, test, and move to production with it, right? Unfortunately, as it's an extremely technical topic, I'm currently the only person in our company's support team with in-depth knowledge. We're working on changing that, but not everyone who works in support has a background deeply rooted in software development, so it takes time. Well, starting January, this one sub-department, basically a one-man show, as it's a rather small department at the customer, started sending support tickets. This isn't working with the new feature, that isn't working with the new feature, and so on. Seven tickets total, all highest priority because it's an error message and we're legally required to use it. Each and every one of the tickets, I answered them the exact same passage of the manual where they could read up on that exact error message, explaining how it's a missing configuration on their end, and exactly with screenshots what to configure. These configurations are not part of any kind of support plan we offer, so work on these tickets is a pay-by-hour thing for the company. 
Never got any reply to them, so I considered them done with that. Well, I guessed wrong. I got another highest priority support ticket today stating it's not working. Obviously, I asked if the configurations I sent over and the other tickets have been done, to which I get the reply, how should they know? They're just back from a multi-week vacation. I politely replied that he should check those configurations and to not cost them unnecessary money. I would hold off on working on that ticket until he checked them. The reply I received to that basically stated that he found it very audacious that there are now eight open highest priority requests about that topic, and the company I worked at haven't moved a finger in the month since they were submitted, and that he demands I hand over those tickets to someone else in our support team who actually wants to do our job, or he'll escalate the issue to the main team. Now, you should know that this customer is one of our biggest clients. So their requests inherently get slightly higher priority on our side, and also we know what they generally, with a few black sheep obviously, have a very good in-house team. So the team is pretty liberal at routing their technical requests through to me. Because of that, I get to work a lot with their main team, who handles those technical issues, and the bigger the installation, the more troublesome. They enjoy working with me so much that for the past half year or so, we've been on a first-name basis when communicating including the CTO, and information that obviously hadn't reached this poor soul yet. So, to spare him the work of escalating the issue, according to process, I wrote a formal escalation mail, using first names, petty, I know, to the lead of their main team, as well as my team lead, CCing the guy from the sub-team, informing them about all the highest priority tickets, including detailed information since when the feature is available, when the information about it becoming mandatory by law was publicized and when it became mandatory, compiling the answers from all the tickets into one and also sending an official detailed by ticket offer with which they could purchase service from us to do those configurations for them. I also included a letter from our legal team that every customer had received about half a year ago that we were not liable for any damages they incur by not testing the feature before the legal date. About an hour later, I got a formal answer from one of their main team that the configurations I sent have been implemented and every issue has been resolved. The feature works as intended, thanking me for bringing to their attention that they were behind on that topic, followed half a minute later by an informal mail informing me that I don't need to worry. The next person to submit tickets on behalf of that one-person department should be much more professional. And the moral of the story, don't try to threaten with authority you don't have. Sometimes I have to do similar things for people who seem to go on vacations all the time. Something that happened recently that really annoys me is somebody told me that I have to get something finished and finalized and sent over to them by March 5th. So I send an email to them and they have an auto-reply that says they're out of the office until March 14th. And it seems like they have these multi-week breaks several times a year. I know it's not really quite the same thing at all, but I mean, it's just so frustrating for somebody to expect you to get something done and involve them, and then they just go on a multi-week break and just expect you to somehow get it done anyways. Our next story is to iron or not to iron. So a few years ago, I was ironing my husband's shirts and hanging them on one of those removable over-the-door large hooks. Anyway, I asked my husband if he could take his shirts and hang them in the closet. Next day, they're still there. So normally, I would just end up doing it myself. But something else happens and I realize that hubby's found that if he doesn't do it, I would just do it. 
So I make the decision not to do it and leave the shirts where they are. A week goes by and hubby needs a shirt, so he finally goes and gets them and starts complaining because they're a bit creased from being too squashed on the hook. Then hubby says that I need to iron all the shirts again. Let's just say that it didn't go down well, and I tell him that from now on he can iron his own clothes. This was years ago, and I'm still not doing his ironing, and on the rare occasion I do iron the odd shirt for him, he's really grateful. It's definitely a level of petty I don't think I would aspire to actually be, like it seems like overly petty. I mean, just imagine holding this grudge over your partner for so long. I mean, I guess if they don't try to apologize or make any concessions to try to make it okay to go back to ironing. This next story is party animals. A few years back, renters three houses down the road had a party every Friday night three weeks straight. When the third Friday rocked around and I saw groups of 18 plus year olds showing up in droves. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I knew the neighbors and myself would be in for a long night. I was right. The party raged till 4 a.m. I had an earlyish start on the Saturday and didn't get much sleep, so I plotted my revenge. I left home at 7, drove to the party house, parked out front, and sat there tooting the horn. This went on for several minutes till I started seeing tired, sore, and sorry hung over heads appearing through their windows. I just smiled and drove off. It's very much the party house petty revenge version of I ain't getting no sleep because of y'all. This next story is Don't Cheat Off My Quiz. This happened many years ago when I was in college. One of my courses was in a large classroom, and the seating arrangements were bench style. Long table and individual chairs. Each bench sat about five people. There wasn't assigned seating, and I had different people sitting by me each class. At the beginning of one class, the professor decided to give us a pop quiz. The bench I sat at was full, and I sat on the second seat from the end of the bench. There was a guy that was sat at the end of the bench, questions were on the blackboard, and we were asked to pull out a blank sheet of paper from our notebooks and use that. I think I got two answers wrong. Once done, we had to pass our quiz to the right, which each person would just continue to pass it until it reaches the end of the bench. The TA would come by and collect the quizzes from each bench. The guy at the end of the bench looked at everyone's answers and changed or wrote down the answers he knew were correct from all of our quizzes. The TA came by, collected the pile of quizzes. The guy left and didn't stay for the lecture. I didn't like the fact that he cheated off my quiz or the others. 
I don't even know the guy or his name, but the paper he used was not the normal white notebook paper. His had a yellow tint to it and was smaller in size. After class, I went to the professor who had the pile of completed quizzes sitting on his desk. I explained what had happened. The professor asked me if I knew his name. I said no, but I knew his paper was yellow. The professor looked through the pile and found only the yellow paper and crumpled it up and threw it in the trash bin. Zero on that quiz, buddy. The quiz wasn't worth much in points, but I didn't want the guy getting credit for cheating. Honestly, like, it's still pretty scummy, but like, it's one thing if you're like peeking at somebody or like if you intentionally get help from a friend, but for everybody to pass their quizzes down and for this guy to just like break them all out, start, you know, shuffling through them like a deck of cards to find all the answers. There's just something extremely off-putting about that that makes you like, nah, he shouldn't get away with that. Our next story is, it's for a good cause. Short story, but my creepy boyfriend was making me very uncomfortable. Boyfriend or not, what he was doing was not okay. I won't get into the details. Anyways, I broke up with him and later realized I had one of his hoodies. And there was no way I was going to talk to him again and I definitely didn't want to wear it. Watching other women set fire to their ex's clothes or spritz them with their perfume and glitter is just childish. Instead, I washed it and put it in one of those donation boxes around town. If you're not going to give your ex's clothes or things back, then donate them. Don't sell them or ruin them. If you're petty enough to withhold their items, then you're petty enough to donate them. You'll get rid of them, they won't get them back, and somebody else just got a new item they may have needed. Win-win for everyone. This is honestly really good advice because you always hear those stories of how some ex got moody and upset and scorned them and took some kind of kitchen knife and just sliced all the clothes up or something. It's really turning a terrible situation into a pretty nice one when you donate it and make sure somebody who needs it or wants it ends up with it. Our next story is, it felt good at the time. Back when I was 18, I was engaged, yes I know I was way too young, to my high school sweetheart, 19. He went to another state for trade school while I finished my senior year. After a while of long distance, I found out he cheated on me. I was devastated. He was my first real relationship and first love. He was marrying the woman, yes a fully grown woman, 25, with whom he cheated on me. She was from a well-off family, so when he came back to our home state to get married, I gave him and his fiancée a lovely, very expensive wedding gift two Lalique champagne flutes. From what my ex-boyfriend described of her, she liked nice things. Therefore, I knew she would never get rid of them, so every time they used the glasses to celebrate something, he would think of me. Before you blast me, I was 18 and reeling from the emotional pain. Would I do this today? No, but it sure felt good at the time and worth the $200. 1990. I feel like the only way you really get like satisfaction out of this is like, You do something nasty to those glasses and you hope they don't like wash them beforehand, but they clearly probably would. I don't know, I just feel like if somebody's bad enough to go and cheat on you like that, they're probably bad enough to also take that $200 gift, go thanks a lot for this, and just have a ball of a time with it. Our next story is, you do know I was the ugly one in that you know what tape, right? Back when I was young, I was dumb and full of you know what and married a hot young woman who was crazy. You've heard this story before. Long story short, we made a you-know-what tape one night. Sometime later we got divorced. Life went on. As for my ex, who we'll call ex-wife, I had no kids with her, no property, no nothing. Our divorce was uncontested, although I did give her a lump sum of money to start her life out with. That was it. 
Well, it was about a decade after the divorce, all of a sudden I get an email from ex-wife. I open it up, I'll spare you the details, but it was a sob story with a request for me to give her $5,000. I didn't feel like it even required a response, and I sent no response and just went on about my life. Now, my job at the time resulted in my phone number being pretty widely published, and if you knew my real name, you could easily find my real phone number simply by googling my name. So, I'm guessing that's how my ex-wife got my number, but she called me when I was at work. This is the basic gist of the conversation. I say hello. Ex-wife says, is this OP? I say yes. Who is this? She says, your ex-wife. I say, oh, why are you calling? She says, did you get my email? I say yes. Why didn't you respond? Because it's not my problem. She says, I really need that $5,000. And I say, yeah, that's not going to happen. She says, but I'm your ex-wife. I say, yes, ex-wife, again, not my problem. She says, look, I didn't want to go down this road. I say, then don't. Do you remember that you know what tape we made? Me thinking, I'd honestly forgotten about it. I don't have a copy. Then I remembered. I said, yeah, I remember it. She says, if you don't send me $5,000, I'm going to release that tape and send it to all your coworkers, friends, etc., I say, so you're trying to blackmail me? She says, no, I just need that $5,000. I say again, that's not my problem. She says, it will be if I release that video. I say, okay, fine, release it. She says, excuse me? I say, you do know I was the ugly one in that sex tape, right? She says, uh, you're telling me if I don't give you $5,000, you're going to release a video of me hooking up with some young, attractive woman? If I remember correctly, you were moaning like crazy. So, um, yeah, if you want to add to my resume, go ahead. She says, I'm serious. I say, me too. She says, freak you, jerk. Hangs up. Personally, I don't think she even has the video because it was recorded on her phone. And my ex had a bad habit of throwing her phone against walls and breaking them. But nevertheless, I felt like taking the steam out of her threat was the best way to end it. And if she ever did release the video, eh, so what? It's been a few months, haven't heard from her, nor have any of my friends, family, or co-workers heard of any tape. Yeah, I'm sure she still has her iPhone 4 with your blurry tape on it. She's so ready to just load that up and send it on out to everybody. It really doesn't give you any power when you're also in that tape and you clearly would probably not want that shared. Our next story is, help my roommate rob us and make us homeless? bye-bye army officer job. After my son was born and my wife almost died from pulmonary embolisms due to undiagnosed lupus eating her lungs, we finally managed to go on our first family vacation while my wife's health recovered. To preface this, we had to get a roommate to help with bills during this time, and a longtime friend was happy to help out and get a reasonable place to stay. Now this is where army liar comes in. I had known this guy for almost two decades, spent entire summers at his family's place and even lived with him on multiple occasions. I genuinely thought of this guy as my brother, cried in each other's arms type crap. But as young people do, he developed a massive ego after his parents paid his way through Colorado State University Pueblo. He started hanging with the definition of giga chads, and all of a sudden is nothing but conservative politics and lying his butt off to get into the reserve officer's training program for the army at the college. This is important for later. Working out at the college with his bros and generally being above hanging with people who couldn't have a golden parachute from their parents. So Army Liar graduates, gets commissioned as an officer, 
and it's a shock when he wants to come hiking and partake of adventurous, generally wild college youth stuff. My roommate gets together with him and through the wonders of the World Wide Web, we had a great time. I managed to decompress from my almost dying wife, as well as the struggles of being a new father. Now, back to vacation, we visit family in Oklahoma, haven't seen my family in ages and it's a great time. When we arrive back home, half of the whole house is empty. There's a note from my roommate that Army Liar helped him move all of his crap out and good luck. Understandably, this was a terrible turn of events. Any parent will tell you, you can't just plop some rando in the now vacant room due to trust concerns and an infant present. Now I'm frantic at this point. Tons of our crap is missing. Our marriage documents, birth certificates, lease, wife's 3DS, and more, all gone. I start blowing the roommate up and Army Liar calls me. He proceeds to tell me that he orchestrated it all because roommate was not really happy here and needed to move back to central BFE Texas from Colorado. I know, it's silly. I'm obviously upset, but Army Liar was my chosen brother. Literally take a bullet for him. I explain that I'm missing all the things I've noticed. This jerk had the nerve to say, yeah, not my problem. I was floored. He had spread some BS about me treating my roommate badly to his whole family and they stopped talking to me. These are people who essentially raised me, housed me, and who were better parents than my own. I'll confess that I did something then that I was not proud of at the time. I told Army Liar that if he wanted to at least help me get my things back, I would have to contact his army supervisor and explain how he essentially just helped rob me. He laughed and told me to go right ahead. In the end, I caved and didn't do anything. I was too mentally and emotionally exhausted, my wife was crushed, and my son was upset by our constant crying and worrying about how we were going to pay our bills. Ultimately, we lost our place and were forced to attempt moving back with my parents, which was not a solution because my mom is a terrible human and had filled every available space with foster children to game the state for money. We lived out of our car until they found a temp job in Houston which ended and decided that they were done with the project I headed and terminated my position after telling me I would be moved to salary. Back to living in a car. This was the darkest time of my entire life this far, and more than once I fantasized about driving my family off a bridge or into oncoming traffic just to escape this heck. I finally landed a stable job back in Colorado, was able to get counseling, rebuild our life in a way that depended on nobody but myself. Happiness actually came back into my life. My two-year-old son would never remember this dark period, and I made friends who put Army Liar to shame. But what's this? I hear from some old friends that Army Liar dropped them like old garbage and they missed him, wondering if I knew where to find him. And find him I did. Turns out which boy Army Liar got married and was traveling the globe as an army officer, strongly exuding the whole 10 yards of my crap doesn't stink vibes. I remarked to one of my good new friends who just left the Navy that I couldn't believe they gave Army Liar a security clearance with all the things Army Liar had done in the past which would disqualify such a clearance. My friend told me that Army Liar most likely lied and had his new bro friends do all his interviews because if the Army found out, they wouldn't have cleared him. Cue the gears to start turning. Turns out it's incredibly easy to get in contact with people who care in the Army. I talked through Army Liar's complete past, leaving nothing unsaid. I threw my own dignity to the wind and spilled every illicit detail of the shenanigans we were involved in 
as 18 to 23 year olds, including the previously mentioned relaxing hiking trip. The one he took after his swearing in? Needless to say, guess you should pop up on my LinkedIn feed as transitioning out of the army without a listed clearance. Now, Army Liar and his wife live at separate addresses, and I'm sure that has nothing to do with forwarding his past full of legally questionable deeds to her good Christian cell phone number, but we will never know. I now go look at his obviously depressed face on LinkedIn anytime I'm feeling down. Don't ever let people convince you to forgive and forget. Burn those bridges down. They deserve it, and I promise it will be the best feeling you have ever felt. I know it was for me. Just imagine having somebody that you think is your friend like this, that's going and backstabbing you. They probably understand that you've had probably just the roughest year of your life. The lows that some people can reach, turn around and have a smiling face after, it's crazy. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.